Only three slurps left after today, sadly. Good morning. It is Tuesday, the 27th of November, and a very warm welcome. Indeed, today, 27 of Napod Pomo. Now, I say three slurps, but apparently that's not going to be the case because you're not going to get a slurp tomorrow because um, I'm having a chat with uh, with Al. But um, I'll try and make up for it in the uh, in the remaining days anyway. So today I am going to talk to you very briefly about geocaching. So in this family, uh, <clears throat> there are five of us in this family. And only myself and my son Alex, who is only five years old, do not do Pokemon or Pokemon Go. I don't do it. Well, Alex can't do it because he's too young. I don't do it because I think it's utterly pointless. And I know that's going to possibly raise the odd complaint uh, here and there from from you, dear listener. However, my my complaint with uh, Pokemon Go is that it is inherently an antisocial game. And I know that kind of goes against the grain because there are social events around Pokemon Go. But let me tell you something about these social events. <clears throat> I have seen them. And I can't describe a large collection of people all looking down at their phones going jab, 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 as being social. That's just me. Now, it... Pokemon Go is an... I can't believe I'm, I've turned this into a... Uh, from a, an advocation of geocaching into a complete bashing of uh, Pokemon Go. But there you go. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, yes, so... Oh, no, that's what it was. Um, it Pokemon Go is a form of augmented reality. Um, but I think it only goes as far as because the the gameplay is set around the map of your local area. So wherever you are, it looks like you're looking at a map of of, of that location. Um, but that's kind of where it stops, because the entire gameplay entirely is done within the game. Uh, you just lost the game, by the way. Um, there's, no, <clears throat> there's no part of the game that's actually played in the real world. And that makes no sense to me. It really doesn't. And to be honest with you, having seen how much time, um, particularly Caroline, spends on Pokemon Go, I, I, I don't have that time to spare. I'd rather be doing other things like, you know, looking around and enjoying my surroundings. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> that wasn't what I started off talking about. Uh, yes, yeah, so I want to talk to you about geocaching. Now, geocaching has uh, similarities to Pokemon Go, um, but geocaching is essentially a treasure hunt. It's operated by a company called Groundspeak, who um, I, I suppose you, you could say is the, the corporate owner of the geocaching name and also the concept. And the concept is very, very simple. You have an app, and that app... <laughs> shows you a map of your local area. <laughs> I can see where this is going. And 
in your local area, it will show you the locations of where your where local geocaches are stored. Now, a geocache could be a number of things. It could be a physical container. So a standard geocache could be like a small Tupperware uh, box, a sealed Tupperware box. Or it could be as small as um, a film canister, the old 35mm um, plastic tubs that, that um, uh, the camera films used to be stored in. Or it could be as small as a tiny, uh, what they call a nanotube, which is only big enough to, to hold a small rolled-up piece of paper. Or there is one instance where I've seen a geocache is actually a stonking great metal box. But it's been so cleverly placed in plain sight that actually it's very easy to miss it. Now, <clears throat> the purpose of geocaching is to find these caches, these boxes, these storage uh, tubes. And then, firstly, the piece of paper that's rolled up inside it or folded up inside it, <clears throat> excuse me, is for you to sign to prove that you've been there. And the second part of the of the uh, of, of the of the, the find is that you log that find on the app. So, for example, um, Cara and I. Cara is probably the most um, uh, willing geocacher in the family, alongside me. We went to a local country park, and there are allegedly six or seven uh, geocaches hidden around the country park, but we only found three of them, I think, uh, because. <clears throat> well, I'll get onto that in a second. Now, one of them was very cleverly hidden inside the top of a fence post. So once you've found it, and there are clues, you do get clues, and some of the clues are incredibly clever, and some of the clues are absolutely pointless. But we found this geocache, and effectively you just take off the top of the fence post. And then inside is very cleverly secreted, a Tupperware box, a Tupperware um, tub. So you take the lid off, and inside, there's a little card to say, this is an official um, geocache. There are some pieces of paper for you to sign your name on. And you can also exchange items. So you could, I don't know, you, you could leave um, a foreign coin, or ironically, a Pokemon card or something or a little um, little toy or something. It doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. Uh, and you can exchange that with another item that's already in the box. Or you can just... You can just take an item or you can just put an item in. But the, the idea is to exchange. But it may well be that there wasn't an item in there in the first place. So you come along with some items. It could be like a, a little... Uh, pencil eraser or something like that and you just leave it in there so the idea is that someone else can then take that out and maybe put it into another geocache now it is possible to uh to register um official exchangeables i think they're called travel bugs and you can register them on the website and you can actually track where those travel bugs have gone now chris from canada um she did put a travel bug in uh, a geocache in Canada with the express 
purpose of trying to somehow get that travel bug to come over here to the UK for us to find. Uh, but that never happened because I think the tra- the, the the item itself uh, got lost. So somewhere it's, it's kind of lost its journey, which is a bit of a shame because it would have been fun to uh, to see that coming through. But that was before, <clears throat> excuse me, that was before we um, we started getting into, into geocaching proper. Uh, so yeah, once you've done that, you filled out the piece of paper, you put the bo- you've exchanged items, put the lid back on the box, put the box back where you found it. That is one of the number one rules. One of the number one rules. One of the top rules is whatever you've found, found you put it back where you got it from. Um, and then you log it on the website to say, <coughs> I found this item. Now, logging it serves two purposes. Um, first thing is it scores you points. Now, as it stands at the moment, I think I've got 25 uh, points based on 25 finds. But the other thing it does is it lets other people know that that cache is still there. Because you not only log the success, successful find, you can also log a do not find or did not find to let other uh, geocaches know that this cache may not be here. Because the frustration felt by not finding a geocache when you know it should be there is immense. The one nearest to this house, which is only like two, three minutes around the corner, it took me and Kara about 10 visits to find the thing. And it was there the whole time. And we even marked it as missing so that the um, the the cash owner, the person that put the cash there in the first place, would come out and perform maintenance on it to make sure that it is still there. And she said it was still there. And we went out again twice more. And we still couldn't find it. It was only on a whim um, that I thought, okay, I'm going to give it one more shot. Went over to the place where it's supposed to be to be hidden. Put my hand straight on it. And yet, we'd scoured the place up to that point and still not found it. Anyway, um, and so, so yeah, that's the basic concept of it. But what makes it difficult is that as an, kind of the opposite to Pokemon Go, the other, one of the other primary rules of geocaching is avoid the muggles. So that is, if you're out geocaching and you're looking for something, try not to be seen. Because the biggest enemy of geocaching is a non-geocacher. Because they could come along and find what you were looking for, and if they're not actually playing the game, if they're not involved, if they're not a stakeholder of the game, how do you know they're going to be respectful to this item and they're not going to steal it or destroy it. So looking out for members of the public, non-geocache players, is also a key part of playing this game in order to keep the game going. Anyway, so if you are already a geocacher, please do let me know because um, I would uh, well love to connect with you, basically. Um, if you haven't played geocaching before, I'd advise you to try it. You can play for free. Uh, it is uh, available as a free 
uh, free service. You can sign up. All you need to do is sign up as, uh, on the website and then log into the app. But as a free player, you are somewhat limited to the number of caches you can find. A lot of um, cache owners will place their geocaches for the first time as a premium cache. And that's not for the purpose of, of getting people to spend money. The primary reason is to make sure that the people that are likely to be searching for this geocache are actually, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I don't mean it this way, bought in to the, the geocaching concept. It's kind of a way of protecting the game. Because if you are restricting uh, geocache access to those people that have paid for a geocaching account, there is a very, very, very high likelihood that this person is a serious geocache player because they've paid for the for the um, for the the upgrade, and therefore there's a very low likelihood that they're going to come along and effectively trash the the <laughs> trash the cash. <laughs> oh, and talking of cash, there is actually something called CITO, uh, CITO, which is cash in, trash out. Um, and the idea being that if you're going to go out for a long, no, couple of hours on a um, on a, a caching expedition, take a bin bag with you, clear out, the, uh, pick up litter and, and, and rubbish while you're out, you know, keep, keep the place uh, keep the place tidy. Anyway, yeah, so reach out to me if you are a geocacher, um, because it is a fun game, and uh, Car and I definitely enjoy doing it. And the other uh, members of the family, Caroline, Cara, um, and Alex, they all. It, Sorry, Amy and Alex. They all enjoy being involved, but none of them have actually signed up for the uh, for the site. So I think they enjoy helping rather than uh, the participa- participating. Right then. So um, one more thing. Off the back of Sunday's episode, when I had a chat with Amy, she posted a comment on the website asking me the following question. She said, "How come my voice sounds so strange on audio and videos?" So, for Amy and anyone else who wants to know, here comes the science, but in very non-scientific terms. So, first off, when you speak, when you're normally speaking, you hear it from two different places at the same time. Now, the first one is through your outer ear, and that's the same way that you hear most other things. So, when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're talking to you, you hear what they're saying just through your ear. But when you speak, you are hearing yourself through um, through your head, through a process called bone conduction. And that can give your voice a much more boomy and, and resonant um, uh, sound. Now, if you want to hear what that sounds like, that you're only listening to yourself through your head, then six mere plugs in, or very carefully put your fingers in your ear. Because then you'll only be hearing the part of your voice that is coming through the inside of your head. And you'll notice that it sounds very boomy um, and, and very, um, very resonant, quite deep. But when you hear yourself played back through, um, uh, through audio, um, me listening to this show, for example... You're only hearing yourself through your ears. And this can make your voice sound a little bit tinny. And that's the reason why a lot of people do not like hearing the sound of their own voice. Because they're not hearing it the same way as they would hear it if they were speaking. Hope that explains it. 
And I hope that actually made made sense as well. Right. <clears throat> I'm a bit wheezy this morning, so I do apologise. Okay, thank you very much to Shane, Jennifer, Jonathan, Twine Radio, The Simplifiers Podcast, Leslie, Pamela, Herb, Nelda, Emma, Rich and Amy, all of which you have liked, commented, favourited or IM'd me over the last few days. Tomorrow I'm going to be having a chat with Al about his Napod Pomo journey. So have yourself a fantastic Tuesday and I will speak to you tomorrow. Please join me if you can. Ta-da. <laughs>